Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. Have you ever taken to wandering a historic cemetery only to be surprised when you discover a unique piece of history that you never expected? Today, I'm welcoming back two guests who have been on my show before. Bobby Mathis, the president of the Union City Society for Historical Preservation, and Andrew Nolan with Silent Cities Restoration. And we're going to discuss history and headstones, along with some tips and advice on how to restore historic markers and cemeteries, and much, much more. So welcome back to the show, Bobby and Andrew. Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Andrew, let's start with you. Could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and Silent Cities Restoration? Yeah, um, my name is Andrew Noland, and I got into restoration, gosh, I think it's been about three or four years now. Um, Bobby's not only my mentor, she's my friend. What what I've learned and done, Bobby has taught me. Um, it was right when the pandemic hit, I think. Oh, and okay. it was just Bobby and I learning out there in Union City. So what I've done is I've taken what she taught me and I turned it into uh, my own business, Silent Cities Restoration. I'm down here in Milan, Michigan, which is just south and east of Ann Arbor, but I go all over the state okay. um, to do work. I work for people that hire me, families, and I also work for government entities, townships, and so forth that'll hire me. That's great. Okay. So, Bobby, you have been on this podcast so many times, I should probably just call <laughs> you a co-host. Uh, <laughs> but uh, So, what's new in Union City with the Historical Society down there? Well, we have a we have a workshop coming up for you know headstone restoration and, and cleaning and preservation in June. So we're excited about that. Awesome. And then huh? we're gonna yeah, I love I love teaching about that. And uh, we are also gonna have another Riverside Cemetery tour in September. Great. And we're also gonna have stories from the stoop where you can come and listen to stories um, in August by people who actually were there. Uh, old timers who who live through some historic events and can be there to kind of like because we're losing you know her- history when we lose some of these older mm-hmm. members of our community so that's new for us in August stories from the stoop and then in October we're going to have our third Dead Man's Hollow tour. Wow, so you got a lot yeah. on the agenda. We'll have to have you on a few more times as some of those events get closer, especially stories from the stoop. Those are always fun and interesting and you never know which way they're going to go yes so so i thought it would be fun and interesting to ask you guys about fun and amusing headstones that you might have encountered in your adventures or any interesting headstones that you might have uh, come across that um were different and really made you stop and ponder it or read it and that sort of thing and and share some of those unique experiences because I think all three of us have ventured through a lot of cemeteries um, and probably more so than the average person out there so why don't we share some of those stories have, what was the uh, what, did you ever come across a marker uh, Bobby that made you smile oh yeah I've got one like right right here okay. <laughs> um, it, we went to um Greenlawn Cemetery in Toledo. Uh-huh. And uh, we found the grave. It's a recent, actually, it's a recent grave. It's, it was just erected in 2021. It's Muggs Thurber. He's, wow. the dog of, he's the dog of James Thurber. 
Oh, he was buried next to the the family. Wow. Yeah. So what happened was is is Muggs Muggs was a cantankerous Airedale terrier, mm-hmm. and he was not very friendly. And James Thurber wrote about him um, quite a bit. And his tombstone says, nobody knew exactly what was the matter with him. If you see it, there's a cute little, there's a cute little statue of this cranky dog on this tombstone. And wow. he bit everybody. He bit the Iceman, the mailman, you name it. They'd come to the house and he would bite them. Wow. And so Mame Thurber was very enamored with this dog and she wanted him buried in woodlawn so bad and james told her no that's illegal you can't bury dogs in the cemetery right so they buried him somewhere else in along the roadside somewhere mm-hmm. but um members of um Greenlawn got together and decided that james thurber's grave is actually quite um you can't really see it it's very low-key mm-hmm. um a lot of people obviously want to come see him because, you know, he's, he wrote The Secret Life of Walter Mitty and all that. Oh, okay. So, um, in, two, in, in like 19, uh, was it 2021, they decided to erect this granite monument. Mm-hmm. And it cost $2,000 to get the monument. And then the bronze part was like six, $6,200. And they have a dog walk, a 5K dog walk there every every summer like they've just started to to kind of cover the cost of that but he he's like this i i saw that immediately when i saw that dog statue he's just the cutest little cranky dog ever and what is the story behind this dog right so that was one that made me kind of chuckle when i saw it wow there when i was up at the bath cemeteries um i was doing a, a film a video on the bath massacre and i was visiting the graves of all the children that had been killed in that and in the cemetery there was this marker that you can't help but notice it it was this statue of a dog over this man's grave and i had to go film it and it turns out he was a veterinarian and um, that was the marker that he wanted over his grave you know so Kind of interesting. Have you ever encountered anything like that yourself, Andrew? There is a dog statue on a grave up at Mount Hope in Lansing. Um, but one of the more amusing ones, you know, Stearns and Foster, the mattress, the bedding company. Mm-hmm. It's Spring Grove down in Cincinnati, which is a wonderful cemetery. Spring Grove is one of the largest. I think it's number five in the country in size. Mm-hmm. Stearns and Foster Mattress, they're both buried there, and their family plots happen to be side by side. So it reads Stearns and Foster as you look at the wow the grave sites of these people that <laughs> founded Stearns and Foster uh, Mattress Company. I thought that was kind of funny. Wow. But just seeing all the different pictures and stuff. Procter and Gamble is there too. Yep. Yep. Wow. Huge cemetery. Wonderful cemetery. I've got an interesting one that was sent to me by Frank Pasek out of the Albion Historical Society. And he messaged me on this one, and it's a headstone that's in the Riverside Cemetery in Albion. Um, it is. It says, Podeco, Stephen, and the inscription below it says, Once was enough. That was his... Uh, <laughs> That was his marker. Yep. So. <laughs> That's all you're getting anyway. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. 
So, but you see all sorts of neat ones like um, people put genealogy, their family tree, mm-hmm. on a stone. Uh, Scrabble. I've seen a Scrabble board put on a headstone. Um, all sorts of things, especially with the etchings or the lasers. Now that we can do that on stones. Yeah, yeah. I have seen family trees on stones. Now, come to think of it. Isn't there yep. one like that out at Riverside in Union City? Didn't you point that one out to me, Bobby? Yes. Yep. There's the Travis family, and I think that's James and Sharon Grahalski's family, and it's a nice little placard, mm-hmm. this Travis family tree, and it's all branched out on it, and the grandkids, you know, are on it and everything. So I, as a genealogist, I love that. Wow. Yes. There was one that surprised me when I went to um the the leonidas cemetery i was doing a video out there and this was not one of those stones i was looking for i I found a bunch of ones i was looking for and then i came across this one and it's actually more like a table or a bench and it literally has the man's life story carved into the stone his name was raymond earl hacker and um yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to read on this, but when you read, I read it in the video. I took time to really go through it line by line in the video, but it's quite fascinating. He was a blacksmith for a while, and he worked out doing ranch work, and he put his whole life story about how he got there and, um, you know, telling his, telling the way he saw it. And I guess he probably, he must have written this down before he died and said, I want this yeah. on my stone, you know, and uh, that's what they did, so... Was it somewhat recent, like in the last 50, 60 years? I believe so, yeah. I think it was, okay. yeah. It looks like it's probably, yeah. It's, it looks really nicely etched, you know. I sent an email to you guys so you could see what it looks like, but it's kind of okay. unique and interesting looking. Um, any other ones that you found that were... Uh... Um, I've encountered, like I've, like I've been traveling a lot through cemeteries, but also restoring in Girard and, and Evergreen Cemetery and mm-hmm. been to Concord Cemetery and, and, and Jackson. And there's one in Concord, I'm not sure if it's true, but there's a big boulder uh, that says Shotwell Davis on it. And we were there and the guy that was with us, I mean, it's a huge boulder, it's massive. And they said, I tried looking some stuff up about it. I couldn't delve it out, but it was like, it apparently fell on the guy. Mm-hmm. And that's where he's buried. <laughs> he's underneath this big boulder now. I so that would be an interesting way to have wow. yourself memorialized is put the stone on your grave that killed you. <laughs> a little bit of a little wily coyote there, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I mean it's huge. I don't know how true that is. I was told that, you know, must be kinda of like urban legend around Concord. Um, wow, that's I, I, it's it's Maple Grove Cemetery. If you want to go see it, it's a big, big boulder there. So, what what would you call the craziest marker you have seen in a cemetery? Start with you, Andrew. Gosh, you know it's not. It's going to sound strange. It, it's actually one that has no marker. So, I work part time with uh, with my friend that owns Woodruff's Downriver Stone Design. Mm-hmm. They make new headstones, and so I go to the cemeteries, and there's one in in uh, Plymouth Township called United Memorial, and I was talking to the gentleman that works on the grounds there, and what happens is, and we don't think about it, but when counties have unknown deaths, when John Doe or Jane Doe pass away, mm-hmm. 
they can only hold so many in the morgue and eventually they have to bury them. Right. Well, they bury them in a mass grave. They dig a long trench, a deep trench, and they put the bodies in there in no particular order back in the 70s and 80s because DNA didn't exist. Right. When I was there last year, um, Michigan State Police, Detroit Police, FBI, everybody was there at this cemetery to dig these bodies back up to get DNA samples. Oh, wow. And then they would mark them where they put them back in the trench in the order. So if a cold case came up and they would know that, hey, this DNA matches Jane Doe, white female, and she's buried in this trench uh, four graves over and three graves down. Hmm. And it was just really strange that we have all these lives that you see a headstone for. That's what it does. It marks a life. Right. And there's so many lives that aren't marked. Yeah. And that really stood out to me. And there's a couple cemeteries out here in Wayne County that Wayne County and Washtenaw County do it. And there's no marker. There's it's, it's essentially a mass grave. Mm-hmm. And that's been kind of the weirdest thing I've seen. And it's kind of sad that, that, at one point, somebody came into this world was hopefully somebody's pride and joy and something happened in life to where they're literally forgotten and their grave isn't even marked. And it's like you were never here. Yeah. And that's pretty sad. But that's one of the strangest ones I've seen. Interesting. What would you say yours was, Bobby? Um, I've, I've got so many. I, it's hard to even pick. But um, I would say probably the, the weird, kind of coolest one was when we went to um, Toledo. Ohio and it's Woodlawn and this is different than Greenlawn now. Um, it's the j- grave of John Gunkel. It's a huge pyramid. It's massive. It's like 28 feet tall. And um, so it was a tribute. He was a friend of the newsboys, kind of the boys of America club. And he would be friended like these little, these little um, boys that were street urchins kind of didn't have anywhere to go okay. just like really poor 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 boys in the city of Toledo and the the boys of the city when he passed away erected took all these stones and there's this like massive huge pyramid to him that hmm. that catches your eye right away when you go into into that cemetery and the other one is the Dodge brothers in Detroit yeah. oh, okay. they have a massive mausoleum with two big like sphinxes on either side and both of them died during the spanish flu so both dodge brothers died within like a few i don't even know it was a very short time frame of these two brothers never had a progeny or anything but that was really cool and probably the only other one i can think of is um in cincinnati the same one there's spongebob graves there's two big SpongeBob's. <laughs> this girl, they're cute. Yeah. They're very cute, but um, they're for Kimberly Walker. Hmm. She was a army um, veteran from the Iraq War, mm-hmm. and she was tragically she was murdered actually. And the the the, the funny thing is that they they put them up for her in twenty. She was murdered in twenty thirteen. Right. And she wrote. She was a prolific poet. And she wrote all this poetry on the back of her SpongeBob statue. I mean, these SpongeBob statues are life size. Wow. And if you look up her story, you know, um, the cemetery said to the family, I'm sorry, these SpongeBob statues do not fit in our historic cemetery. So they took them down. Oh, no. And there was such a uh, kind of 
you know, just flash they against it that in 2014 they were re-erected and they had to be like, they were trying to hide them with bushes and stuff. But now if you go around, you can see them Two these two massive SpongeBob's. They're so big. <laughs> so, so what actually is the life size of a SpongeBob? <laughs> she loved him. <laughs> yeah. Something to see when you walk in the cemetery. So, so I assume they're about five or six feet tall or. Uh, they're like, yeah, they're like six feet, seven feet tall. Okay. Yeah, they're tall. I remember seeing those. Is that pyramid one piece, Bobby, or did they build it with blocks of granite to build the pyramid? It's stones that are mortared together to to okay. form one very large pyramid. That's that like, oh, it, it, yeah, yeah. I could even imagine. Um, the other one that's really cool that's in Cincinnati is the Dexter Monument. That's like a Gothic yeah. cathedral. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, 12 people are supposed to be inside that and they're they're brewers you know that were in i have a lot of ohio ones because we've just been traveling through ohio but you know there's 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 ones here in michigan that were that are just as cool that i've been to yep. you want to hear about a spooky one yeah let's hear about okay. a spooky one okay so i don't know if you've been to colon have you done Colon Cemetery? I, I haven't done any cemeteries down there. I've visited the town, okay. but not done anything. So if you go to Colon, Colon's the magic capital Correct. of Michigan. Yep. Or the world, I don't know. Something, it's Anyway, it's, the, it's known as the magic capital, and there's mm-hmm. a bunch of magicians that are buried there. My great-grandparents are buried there. Anyway, that's why I went there is because they're there. Um, so Harry Blackstone is buried there. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, just a, I mean, if you're a magician, you want to be in the cemetery. There's like a whole section just for magicians. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, you have to go. It's crazy. Um, and there's a lot of really cool epitaphs all over their headstones. So I'm, I'm, this is back in the day when I'm taking pictures with actual like film. Mm-hmm. And so I'm taking pictures and I'm going all around the cemetery and you don't really think of that. I got the film back. I took pictures of Harry Blackstone's grave, some other graves, and I had one roll of film, and all the film was like normal, 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 and then right in the middle of the roll of film was Harry Blackstone's monument, and then more after that, mm-hmm. and I looked at, uh, I went back through, looked at the negatives, looked at, and this, this the picture of the stone, he's got a, like a big flame mm-hmm. on the top of his grave, and um, when I had it developed, it was the only uh, photo in the entire roll that looked like somebody took a huge light and just just started like shining it all around like the gravestone. Oh, it wow. wasn't at the beginning of the film. It wasn't at the end of the film. It was just really weird to have like it looked like some sort of weird. I don't know what it was, but it, mm. I couldn't explain why it was on my roll of film and. Little abracadabra from the grave coming. Yeah, little abracadabra coming. magic going on in that photo. So I don't know. It was it was it was crazy. So whether he's still there. It, it, when you reference the combined marker, there's another one at Oak Hill Cemetery in Battle Creek where a mausoleum was torn down, and there's a big monument to all the people that were buried in that mausoleum. That's uh, kind of a combined grave because they had to tear the structure down because it was unsafe. Oh, That's so. what's happening to the Dexter Monument in, in Toledo, the Is one it? with the 12 people in it. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, it's massive. It's like they were trying to model it off of, of a Parisian Gothic. With, I mean, this, this Muslim has flying buttresses. 
It's very elaborate. <laughs> wow. Now there's no money to to fix this, and so things are falling off of it mm-hmm. and endangering people. And now now they have to decide what are we doing with this huge building that needs maintenance. Wow. Yeah, it's sad to see, especially when they don't. There's nobody around from the families anymore. You know, I think that was the case with the mausoleum and at Oak Hill. And mm-hmm. it, that was a big legal issue because they had to go to the courts and get it all the way. The judge had to make a final decision because they had to con. They did with their their due diligence of trying to contact the descendants of the people buried there. But um, right, that's essentially a disinterment, and that's a legal procedure. Right. Yeah, that's basically yeah. what it was. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So. Was there any uh, monuments that were impressive? Now, I know Riverside has like three very impressive tall statues down there in Union City that are, you can see them even from the road, you know. Uh, they're big. They're they're like, yeah, 20, 20 feet, 30 feet tall. Yeah, I've seen statues like that in cemeteries. Not that I've tall. not seen that many in a single cemetery in southwest Michigan yet. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, that one's got... That's that's impressive. They've got three those tall statues. Yeah, especially for the size of our town. It is, it, it is pretty yeah. unusual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some cool ones over at the Nile Cemetery. I went and did a video out there, and I really wish <laughs> I had more time to spend walking around because that's a, an amazingly old to, cemetery. Have you... Have you been to Cold Waters Oak Grove? No, it's on my list. I want to go see Old Sam. Yes, yeah. I was just going to tell you to go see Old Sam. I want to see Old Sam. I got him up on the screen here. I was going to tell you that one. I figured you'd heard that story before. You know about Old Sam, right? Mm-hmm. You yep. know who he is, Absolutely. Andrew? I've got, I've He's got a legend. Buried in that one. Yeah, Old Sam was a horse, yep. folks. He was a draft horse who uh, served in the Civil War. And of all the draft horses that went to the Civil War from Coldwater, he was the only one to return. And he lived like 10 years after the Civil War. He died in 1876, and they estimated he was about 26 to 27 years old. And the Civil War soldiers that served with him wanted to bury him in the cemetery, and it was illegal, and they were told by the keeper of the cemetery that they wouldn't be able to do it and then the keeper told him but i'm going to go to detroit for three days and when i get back there's going to be an armed guard around the cemetery wink wink (laughs) nudge nudge and so they slipped in in the middle of the night and they buried old sam and it took up until only about 20 years ago before the cemetery would actually acknowledge that he was buried there and they and they put a marker and there's a plaque now to old sam um, and there's, a, I think the carriage that, or the, the harness set mechanism is, is in the town square that he pulled, like the cannon that he pulled yeah. is mm-hmm. in the town square. So mm-hmm. he has his own marker. So I want to, I want to go film old Sam this summer. He's my, one of the ones I have to do that one and I have to do the Colon cemetery. Those are the two that I'm interested in now. That sounds yeah. really cool. The one with the magic. Oh yeah, for sure. That is a definite have to. If you're if you're a taphophile, you have to go to to colon. It's there every. I mean, I can't. Yeah, there's so many different unusual magicians there. Yeah, yeah. That, so, any other impressive ones you've come across, Andrew, that just made you stand in awe? Um, there's one in Ann Arbor, 
Forest Hill Cemetery that's really unique. I haven't seen anything else like it. There's there's a family monument, and then there are about six grave markers, and each one of them had glass in it. At one point, there was a picture in each one of these stones, uh-huh. but because of where they're at in proximity to the ground over the years with cutting grass, yeah. all the glass has been broken. There's one that has most of it intact but the picture's gone all the pictures are gone but that would have been really neat yeah uh, yeah see that, all the pictures and that was that was about 1920s 1930s to have those in there and that mm-hmm. wouldn't have been wouldn't have been cheap at the time um and then another one is is bobby brought it up with the dodge brothers mm-hmm. their mausoleum is in what's called mausoleum row okay at woodlawn cemetery where where hudson's jl hudson is buried there yeah um to go and see all the wealth that's there. And that, that cemetery is in pretty good shape um, in terms of, unfortunately, vandalism. Woodmere, which is another large cemetery in Detroit, mm-hmm. has had a lot of vandalism in it. So a lot of the nice, beautiful stained glass in the doors in some of those mausoleums have all been broken off or the doors have been right. ripped off with hinges or stuff like that. But Anything up in uh, Woodlawn Cemetery in Detroit, and that's at 8 Mile in Woodward, that's a really neat one to go to. Very impressive. Do, do you see the Civil War statues? Because I know of two that are very impressive. There's one in the Leonidas Cemetery as you enter, and there's one at Burr Oak Cemetery in Athens that you mm-hmm. see there. And they're up on a big pedestal, and it's the, a tribute to the we- the soldiers that served. You know, I, uh, I see a lot of those in the smaller towns. So Milan here... We have one of those okay. in uh, South Southwest in uh, Reading. Reading has one of those. Okay. Um, and what's interesting, most cemeteries are on one side of the road or the other, but like Oak Grove, like in Coldwater, like you talked about, mm-hmm. Sam's buried on the north side. That cemetery is split in two from Michigan Avenue. Oh, really? Okay. And there's another cemetery in Reading that is split in half. Half on one side of the road and half on the other. Yeah, there's so, but yeah, a lot of the smaller towns like to do those uh, Civil War statues. Yep, yeah, there's a few that I've come across where it's on both sides of the road. I think uh, Noonan Township Cemetery was like that, and also uh, Hicks Cemetery up in Penfield is on both sides of the road. If you go to Oak Grove, Oak Grove is split in half too. Wow. The Kiwana Coldwater, newer, and then older. Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. old Sam's on the older. Then there's a newer across the highway. There's newer. Cool. Have there been any markers that impressed you or really surprised you? How about that? Yeah, there's one in Gerard that I was really surprised to see. Mm-hmm. It's a really small cemetery. It's Evergreen Cemetery. And it has an old like coffin cover, like a metal Mm. cover it over the top of it and they're not very common i've heard they're very 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 rare to have a metal like it's almost like it's a like it's a coffin on top of the ground but it's a metal topper wow and that like yeah that really surprised me to see that in gerard because usually by the time you get to see some of those they're usually gone or i don't know maybe hers was obscured by dirt and so when it was like a little bit protected more but yeah. that really surprised me to see something so rare like that in in gerard wow. cemetery i know i saw a video on youtube and i i don't think i've seen anything in michigan like that but there was one where the guy built a crypt below the soil and, and he had a glass where he could look down 
there was a window into the crypt so that he, you know, and he wanted to be in case he ever got buried alive, he could get out of the coffin and see daylight, you know, and get out. There the was, yeah, oh, the bells, yeah, yeah, that were rigged up. And if anybody was down there, they could ring the bell and alert the right, yeah, people above ground. I've heard there's of another one, there's one, one, there's another one with a telephone in it. The guy, <laughs> Yeah, really. He built it so he had a telephone. Now I wonder who dials that number. That'd be kind of scary one to answer that call. <laughs> you were saying something, Bobby? Yeah, there was another one that a little girl died, and um, her mom built this thing where she could go down and sit hmm. next to, like, she could step down into the interred, not into the, but it's like, a, I, I can't explain how it's set up, but her daughter was really afraid of like thunder and lightning. Oh. Rain. And every time there'd be a storm, she would go down in there and sit with her daughter. So her daughter wouldn't be so scared of the thunderstorms. Even though she, after oh. she passed away, her mom would sit by her side. And she had a window in there too, didn't she? I think so. Yeah. I, think I remember so. seeing that. That's uh that was wild. That's an interesting um, setup. Mm-hmm. I can't, yeah, picture how, yeah. And the other ones that are interesting are those um, Native American ones. They're like, they're like tent graves. They're more like if you go into the upper part of, like in Michigan, mm-hmm. like okay. further up north and, and into the Pacific Northwest. I'd like to go out into the Pacific Northwest and see how they do, you know, tombstones. I want to go to Louisiana someday. I know there's a lot of cool ones there well. in New Orleans, but... I'm trying to think of other ones that were around here. Our ideas of a vacation are very similar. <laughs> <laughs> we're probably the creepy people. <laughs> yeah, I, if I'm traveling, I have to check out the local, you know, yeah. cemetery. And take your I camera mean, with yep. you because you never know what uh-huh. you're going to find. It really uh-huh. is an amazing um, experience to go to go look at, walk through a cemetery for the first time that you've never been there, and then you find something that's like wow you know or you just see mm-hmm. you know you'll see a something where they, they they explain how the person died right carved into the stone like there was one right at um the reese cemetery that i was filming the reese cemetery and i had a, a few headstones i'd picked out from doing prior research i was looking for and i came across this one that said you know the name of the couple and it said burned alive Ooh. so you know mm-hmm. i had to look up that story and i had to oh, find yeah. find out what happened to them you know and so I put that into the video, and that was a terrible uh, tragedy. But uh, they burned alive right on their 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 right. stone, forever carved wow. into the stone. You know, so. Well, I know I've seen things like fell off a wagon, or mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the, the, like Andrew has an interesting one, like about a wagon too. But like it is really strange when you see like oh, ran over in a horse and buggy, or you mm-hmm. know, uh, I think there was one where he was run over by a train in battle creek wow and i think they mentioned something about that on, on one of his on his grave so hmm. I've it seen is drowned. unusual when you drown drowned, yeah. drowned is a common one i think or and it's yeah. sad usually children on there um wow so any um advice on headstone repairs now we got a big workshop coming up down in union city that you're putting together why don't you talk a little bit about that Bobby, and then maybe we can talk about some projects you guys have done that have been difficult or challenging in the past. That uh... sure, um, yeah, I've got I've got one coming up. I think it's June 
June 17th, I think okay. it is. I'm going to yes. make sure. Okay. Um, it's yep. nine, nine to three. It's at Riverside Cemetery in Union City. Andrew's coming down. And um, we're planning on doing six basic repair types of repair so that people, when mm -hmm. they come, they can see from the easiest kind of things that you can do, like anybody can do. Mm -hmm. um, it's very low, low maintenance. And then from very complicated, like more. And I think people like to watch those um see those types of repairs because they're so interesting it's almost like watching you know um some it's very complicated but it's very it's fascinating to see so like when you come to our if you come to ours you'll you'll get a basic first um introduction on how to do proper cleaning because mm -hmm. we're, we're the method don't do any harm don't make the tombstone any you know worse off than when you and when you came we'll talk about you know permissions Right. Like not anybody can just go out and clean anybody's headstone. You just can't mm -hmm. go out and say, oh, that one looks dirty. I'm going to clean that one. You should really we talk about permissions and who who you should go to, who you should talk to, mm -hmm. um, what's what's allowable, what types of things you should clean with, because those are very important. You shouldn't just use anything on a headstone because some of them can cause irreparable damage on a headstone. Right. You really want to be careful what types of things you put on there. Then we talk about, you know, resetting types of markers that are crooked mm -hmm. or that have snapped in half. A lot of people come to me, you know, it's really interesting because it's almost like each one of these headstones is a patient that you have to diagnose because each type of fix may be a different way you have to, where it's settled, where it's at, what condition it's in, what, what it's made out of. Right. Um, yeah, there's a lot to factor in, but I think we cover um, all the different types. We tell you what types of materials to get. How, if you're like if you're a community that wants to get started, if you want your town, if you're if you're concerned for a specific cemetery and you see that it's in bad condition, what are the steps you can go through to go to your township and talk about how do you get how do you get started? How do you right. get funded? How do you because a lot of it is funding. Funding, funding, funding. How do you keep it going? You know, what types of things can you do as a community to keep, you know, these stones taken care of? You know, and so you can keep teaching generation after generation to have that concept of perpetual care that so many Victorians wanted, you know, back in the day. And is it feasible to have that consistent perpetual care that you want on your family's headstones? Yeah, that makes sense. That's great. But that's it, that's an impressive uh, um, workshop. I mean, you're going to have yeah. Now you have an Eventbrite link, right, for that event. So they can sign up yeah. online. I'll put the link to that in the description, folks. So if you want to do uh, a workshop this summer in June, go on down to beautiful Riverside Cemetery. It's one of the really. It's got a lot of shade trees on it, and it's just a, a an impressively historic cemetery to, to walk around and they last year bobby put together one that was snapped in half and they got it erected again and it was over this woman's grave and that was an interesting project and a very fascinating to see it restored and i put a video together on that and i'll probably look up that video and put the link on the the, the, the description of this podcast episode so you if you want to watch and see a little bit of visual of some of the things that they do and there's certainly a lot more than what's presented in that one video because every project they take on is different. What are some mm -hmm. of the more challenging ones that you've dealt with, Andrew, in your work? 
there was a big one down we had a workshop two years ago down near cincinnati and we had a really large uh family monument and it was tilting at a pretty good degree and so we had to work together to take it apart in pieces and then level it and get it back together but that took like four of us um you were there when we put the tootsie roll back on right last year yeah that was impressive that size but we had to take the whole thing apart versus that tootsie roll part that we put back up on top Mm -hmm. so it was that size stone but we had to completely dismantle it and rebuild it when you have like three or four guys five guys and by guys i mean bobby too all of us conservators (laughs) together when we do one big thing like that and we all talk amongst one another it's really fun Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of times we work by ourselves and so keeping safety in mind you have to be careful with your tools with the the things that we use to lift the heavy weight Mm because you don't always have everybody around you to do that so the more complicated ones are also some of the most fun because there's more than one of you doing it and you talk back and forth mm-hmm. yeah you gotta imagine the ones that are before the 1900s when cranes were available at you know crane the cranes and wrenching wrenching equipment that you see building buildings kind of came into mm-hmm. being after the 1900s but the 1800s when you see these ones that date back to that period and they're these big monuments mm-hmm. you got to think wow that Especially must have been incredible obelisk. yeah the obelisk yeah that must have been incredibly challenging they probably did uh, pulled that up with a horse and a wagon or something um, like that or mules a lot or... of it's jack and block okay so they would use horses and they would drag the larger stones out so i'm going to talk about uh it's about a 40 50 foot obelisk it's in woodmere Uh It's two pieces, and the base is probably about eight foot squared. Wow. Probably about four foot tall. So they would bring it out on a sled with a team of horses, and when they get it to where they need it to be, they would use a pulley system. They would build a frame, Uh and the horses would pull, and they they would lift up the stone, and when they went to bring it down... You've got straps underneath it, right? Because in order to lift something, you have to have straps underneath. Right. They would set it down and they would pull their straps off. What do you think they would put underneath the heavy stone that you could get your straps off? Do you remember, Bobby, what I told you? Uh, It's dry ice. uh Uh-huh. Oh, okay. They would take two dry ice and put it on the foundation and the base would be put down. It would set on the dry ice so that you could pull your straps out from underneath. Then you had to wait for the dry ice to melt and it would melt equal and your stone would rest on the foundation. What an amazing... And then you bring an obelisk, which could be about 40 foot, and it would come in on a sled, and you would have to put it next to the foundation. Well, you would take a jack, and you would jack it up, and you would block it off. And then you had to go to the top part, and you had to jack it up and use blocks. When I say blocks, you're only about a six-by-six six piece of wood, huh. you know, long. And you would jack it up, jack it up, jack it up and keep leveling it until the point where the the bottom of the obelisk would sit on the top of the base wow and you would just have the horses you would jack it up and the horses would help pull but you had to stop and it came to a point where the obelisk you just had to let it go and it would tilt back and forth and then sit and it sits there it does not move wow 
the pucker factor had to be incredible. <laughs> I would be terrified. I would be terrified to do something like that. Yeah. But that's how they used to do it. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah, that, I was that's... in awe. I was in awe of you guys just watching you and Casey and and get pulled, you do that Tootsie Roll monument, the way you were talking to each other and kind of communicating. Because like you said, safety is the number one key thing that we always keep in mind when we're having anybody out doing any of this stuff and just commu- good communication and you could just working together to make it happen. And it's, it's like, it's like a, sh- it's like a show mm-hmm. because you're so everybody's waited with bated breath. They're holding their breath. Like, oh, <gasps> 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 is that good? Oh, yeah. you know, and that's like watching it's, it is, it's entertaining, but it's also, you know, very, very cool to watch these guys put these back together. Yeah, what they're describing, folks, is there was a uh, a monument that had fallen down because a tree branch or something had fallen on it. And it consisted, if you can visualize, there was this big base and then there was this big square block. And on top of it was this cylindrical stone that they call a Tootsie Roll. And it was all very big sitting on top and it was held by inertia. It wouldn't have moved unless something big like a tree falling on it would have knocked it over. And so they had to put this whole thing back together and they used a very impressive winch and pulley system and uh, a lot of careful uh, strategizing with straps and all kinds of things to put this thing back together. And it probably took you a couple hours to pull that off, right? To get it all put back in place or... Um, no, it's no. maybe what forty minutes. Forty minutes, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Because I mean, we had a good plan of like, they, I mean, yes. you're going to strategize beforehand, and then the actual doing it is not that long at all. It's planning, making sure that you have everybody where they should be, mm-hmm. making and figuring out the best way to, to handle a cylindrical object. You know, oh, it's it's not yeah. like a that have you know. It's like so different because you where do you put your straps you know, either end and then it because it's mm-hmm. going to sit down in top of a cradle so right and i had to i actually had to fix the cradle before because it would hold you know like two little cradles that were like a phone you'd set your phone like the old time phones you'd set your phone down and then right. it would hold it that had to be repaired first because that was knocked off okay. so if that hadn't been repaired first then you couldn't put the thing back in the tootsie roll back inside of the hole yeah. the thing that holds it interesting We'll have we'll have a fun one for the next workshop too. Okay, yeah. so you're picking out a big one that you're going to put back together. There's something two that's... I'd like to get to, um, but not anything like that. That not the tootsie roll, but it's it, they're big, they're bigger, mm-hmm. but they're not like massive. But they're they're it's interesting because when Andrew gets, we we'll have to make a game plan of how we're going to do it, and then and then just bite it off, just do it. Well, we'll have to have you guys do something like this at Oak Hill Cemetery because I have a lot of passion for that place. And there's a few that I noticed that uh, it looks like trees had fallen on them recent, since oh, the last time yeah. I was there. And I thought, oh, wow. So we need That's... to get you guys out here to do a workshop and, and pick two or three. And then there's a couple of people that had historic markers that I just really think that they deserve their marker repaired because they were... You know, uh, Cornelius Byington's marker is broken in half, and he, you know, he's a significant Civil War veteran. That, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm in touch with Dave Eddy. He's pretty, pretty passionate about that place too, and uh, I'm pretty sure we can work something out to make something happen at Oak Hill. 
Yeah, that would yeah, be fun. Absolutely. You know, maybe mm-hmm. make some money for the cemetery so they can fix the chapel. Yeah. I could I could help yeah. with marketing it and uh, and all that. So let's get we'll go go over your dates again, Bobby, so people can know about it. Uh, it's June. Uh, June seventeenth is the cemetery workshop. Okay. Um, and then uh, their tickets are on Eventbrite. Um, and then we have another one, the stories from the stoop. We can talk about that later, but it's like August 12th. Mm-hmm. And then we have the, the cemetery tour, which is September 23rd. And in October, we're looking at maybe October 14th for the Legends of Dead Man Hollow. Awesome. Here in City. So we've got four four big events that we like to like to have Union Cityites and everybody else come and Check yep. it out. If you haven't been down to one of their events, they really do a good job of organizing it. And their cemetery tour is is one of the better ones that I've been to. I, I film a lot of those during the summertime. And uh, they're definitely, they, they're very organized and it's very entertaining. And you learn a lot. It's great. It's very educational. So they do a good job with uh, putting that on every year. And that's one of the longer, uh, longer, older established cemetery tours. I think you guys are up to about 11 or 12 years now, right, on doing that yeah, one? Yeah. Uh- before I was there, I think Marty Chard had started at about 2011. Oh, okay. So we've been doing them since 2011. Yeah, I don't and know. I know them. Yeah, I don't think Sturgis has been doing theirs that long. They've got a very impressive one out in Sturgis. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. Uh, those are always fun to do. So there's some all over southwest Michigan. You can look them up and find them on Facebook. They're usually advertised, and it's worth your time to go take one of those tours. And it helps support either a local historical society or the cemetery that they're uh, putting them on at. Um, any last-minute thing that you guys would like to impart? Uh, uh, Andrew, you want to start? Or you want to mention about the workshop? Just hope to see a lot of you guys out there. Okay. <laughs> see a lot of people out there. Don't you have a workshop too, Andrew? Um, April 30th, for those that are interested in traveling up to Mount Hope Cemetery in Lansing, it's a cleaning workshop. Um, it is from... Shoot. It's on Friends of Historic Lansing Cemetery's website. It's from 1 to 3, I believe, on Sunday the 30th. So if you just want to learn how to clean, we don't do any repairs or anything. Um, You get in there and you get your hands dirty. You get to clean stones. Um, I provide the materials so that you can get in and actually clean some stones. And we go over permission and safety. And um, they've held that. This is the third year that we've done the cleaning workshop up there. Great. Well, I'll try to find the link to that and put that in the description for you folks as well. Any last minute words there, Bobby? No, I just hope, hope everyone, you know, uh, can come away from our workshop with better knowledge and pass, keep passing it along because I love to see people being able to know the difference between, you know, correct and incorrect ways and just, just taking care of our, our memorials, keeping the past history alive. Yep, it is a uh, outdoor museum, and it's a good place to go get a little history. You know, I think the best description of it is outdoor museum. I think Dave Eddy is the one that gave me that line, and yeah, uh, yep. it's just a wonderful way to describe cemeteries rather than a place that you want to avoid. It's a good place to go take a walk in the summertime and uh, sometimes do some jogging. Some of them are pretty well laid out with uh, walking paths and. It is a good way to enrich yourself with some past history and and get the history bug. You want to look up the people that are there and find out 
how they lived and the adventures they had, you know. Absolutely. So I have been speaking with Bobby Mathis from the Union City Society for Historical Preservation and Andrew Nolan with Silent Cities Restoration. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and we'll certainly have these two back on because they are a wealth of fascinating stories and technical information about restoring old headstones and monuments in historic cemeteries because that's what they do all summer long. And I wanted to remind you to check out the links that were mentioned in this episode so that you could find out about all these amazing workshops and events that we have coming up in the Union City area at the cemetery, as well as the other workshop that Andrew mentioned. And if you would like to reach out to me, you can always find me at michaeldelaware.com. I am always happy to hear from my listeners. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past, thank you for listening. <music>